What's up, guys? It's the phenomenal AJ Styles. You're listening to the two-man power trip. Oh, my God. This is Joey Styles, and you're listening to the two-man power trip podcast. This is Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. This is Cody Rhodes, the prince of pro wrestling, and you are listening to two-man power trip. This is Jimmy Vine, the boogie Wooker man. Tell my people my brothers and sisters, don't you dare miss John and Chad. Hey, everybody out there. This is the franchise Shane Douglas. Remember me? <laughs> well, guys, it's great to be on the show again i appreciate you asking me back so you said you were going to pinch yourself i didn't know it was that kind of show now i mean if you guys are in the privacy of your own home if you want to do these things good how you doing chad hey johnny cool man what's going on we're ready to go or what uh, uh, hey man what's up guys this is homicide oh that's my homie homicide with a big homie club yeah that would be it hey this is david penzer and this is the two-man power trip of wrestling well, thank you, thank you. Hear me, fear me. I don't do many wrestling shows anymore, probably because I'm a bit ignorant. You guys probably know ten times more than I do. Look, Mean Gene, I can't be beat. I'm the greatest of all time. And I would say that. And every kid, I, they knew they could kick the out of me. Great talking to you guys. It's been your pleasure. <laughs> They've worked in and around the wrestling business. They've studied thousands of hours of wrestling. And now... They bring to you the greatest legends, Hall of Famers, creative minds, and both current and future stars of pro wrestling. They are Primetime Pod and Chad, the two-man power trip of wrestling. Get it going right here, right now. This is the two-man power trip of wrestling brought to you today and powered by the WWE Network. Head on over to wwenetwork.com slash TMPT and start your one-month free trial of the WWE Network. Now streaming the all-new season of Table for Three. Make your reservations now and join the WWE Network and their critically acclaimed show that features three randomly selected superstars talking in a very intimate setting. 
and you will not miss these first couple episodes, including Shane McMahon, AJ Styles, and Kurt Angle, entitled The Show Stealers, and it's all streaming right now on the WWE Network, so head on over and take advantage of our one-month free trial at TMP, excuse me, wwenetwork.com slash TMPT. And if you didn't know by now, my name is Chad, and as always, I'm joined by my tag team partner, the one and only John Paz. And John, we are heading onto the stretch run here. We are rounding third base, and we are heading into our gigantic, our absolutely huge May 19th TMPT Con 2 convention, a show that we've been planning since December which is unbelievable, but we're finally here. It's this coming weekend, and we're wrapping up our TMPT Con 2 coverage on the show by welcoming in two guests for the price of one. As first, we welcome in the one and only Two Cold Scorpio, followed up by the one and only New Jack. And yes, the sensors are ready, and their fingers are on the button as we uh, get New Jack in for a very New Jack-like and very raw interview here on today's show it's an absolutely stacked show it's a very long show so john and i are going to kind of get this in as fast as we can i mean we can't undersell tmpt con 2 it's a pro wrestling fan convention that we put together uh we've been going to them since we were knee high to a grasshopper i've been working in in around the memorabilia industry for almost 20 years and to put together our own convention was a lot of hard work. Uh, had really, you know, some some pitfalls. It had some uh, ups and downs. But we're finally here. We've got so many guests headed to you this way, and we're going to tell you who's going to be at TMPT Contu and all the festivities going on in Richmond at the Holiday Inn this coming weekend. But we got to talk about today's episode, and obviously Scorpio and New Jack, two guys with heavy ties to ECW and both with pretty lengthy and long and uh, very interesting careers but we start with Scorpio and John I'm going to welcome you in now I'm going to let you do the kind of recap on both guys because Scorpio is just phenomenal I mean whether it's his in-ring stuff from back in his heyday as Too Cold Scorpio or what he can still do in the ring today you always know when Too Cold Scorpio goes to the top rope that he's going to fly and whether he drops that tumbleweed the 450 you always know is Too Cold Scorpio is going to give you one hell of a match but John tell us a little bit of what we have to look forward to with not just Scorpio, but also uh, New Jack and Jesus Christ. This D- this TMPT Contu is finally here, and I can't wait for this Saturday. Yes, yeah. I mean, this is uh, something we've been really, like you said, I mean, we've been planning it for a while. It's several, several months. Technically speaking, it's really you know a couple of years in the making because we had last year TMPT Con. Now this year is obviously TMPT Con two, but. As soon as it ended last year, we basically were like, okay, May 19th, we're going to plan it again, and we're going to do it big time. This year, we're going to have many, many special guests, including David Arquette, Eric Bischoff, Scott Hall, Kevin Nash, cast of others, including our two guests today, two for the price of one, two Gold Scorpio and New Jack. And, you know, the amazing thing first about Scorpio is you go into it, you're thinking, oh, it's probably going to be a short interview. Well, you know, we'll just talk about the TPT count, his memories and the Virginia area, maybe some Richmond stuff, and then kind of move along. But he is so good, and he's so engaging, and that charisma comes right through over the phone. Love talking to him. I mean, there's so many different moments with him, whether it be ECW, WCW, even WWF, and then you go into his stuff in Japan. I mean, we could have literally probably could have just kept going and going, and it was probably near 45 minutes, hour, whatever it was with him, but we probably could have kept going even longer. I mean, there was so much good stuff to talk to him about. I love talking WCW, obviously, and then I love talking to him about Japan. There's so many good memories, especially pro wrestling Noah. And then we get a lot of good stories about Vader. Almost 
too good to be true stories about Vader where you're thinking like, man, is this the same Vader that we know that he's talking about? So, I mean, just really, really cool, different stuff that you're getting from Too Cold Scorpio. And if you don't know what you're giving Scorpio, you're getting a lot of attitude, a lot of charisma, and a lot of straight shooting. And speaking of straight shooting, New Jack is exactly the same way. I mean, yes, with a question, you ain't going to get some bullshit fluff answer. He's going to shoot straight with you, tell like it is. He's one of those old school tough guys you just love in this business. And obviously his run with the gangsters is one of those things you will never forget in the business. What a memory, what a time ECW was. But what I enjoyed most talking to him was his time in Smoky Mountain and, and building that character and creating that character and almost being so racist that the people down in the uh, Tennessee and the Smoky Mountain Territory wanted to kill them and they're causing near riots. So between Scorpio and New Jack, I guarantee it's going to be one of your favorite episodes. You are absolutely, truly going to love it. And if you're in the area, obviously, I really want to invite you to come down to TMPTCon 2 in Richmond, Virginia, this Saturday the 19th at the Holiday Inn. You will love it, folks. Come meet New Jack. Come meet Scorpio. I guarantee you will have a, a ball of a time. Now, real quickly, before I pass along back to Chad, I want to give my WB Network recommendation. Every week on the show, I give you my WBNetwork.com slash TMPT recommendation and with that you get a free month of the WWE network and chad you mentioned table for three i just want to mention something about scorpio and a match of his that i feel like a lot of fans have forgotten about haven't seen or just need to get out there and watch i would highly recommend going into WWE network going into wcw going into pay-per-views and checking out super brawl 93 it's about a 20 minute match or so with scorpio and chris benoit that is just Awesome match, way ahead of its time. Two of the greatest workers of all time going at it. So that is the WWE Network, WCW pay-per-view, Super Bowl 93, Scorpio versus Benoit. And, of course, for that free month of the WWE Network, go to WBNetwork.com slash TMPT. And like I said at the top here, if we didn't do our job in selling you on TMPT Con 2, then uh... – I guess, uh, what the hell were we thinking, as Eric Bischoff would say. But let me run down the list of guests for you here, folks. I mean, this is an all-star team uh, of people going to be in attendance. Kevin Nash, David Arquette, Eric Bischoff, Mikey Whipwreck, Henry Godwin, Solo Darling, Scott Hall, The Barbarian, Mr. Hughes, New Jack, Tony Atlas, Ronnie Garvin, Shannon Moore, Dwayne Gill, a.k.a. Gilberg, Two Cold Scorpio, C.W. Anderson, and Oscar from Men on a Mission, all going to be in attendance this Saturday in Richmond, Virginia at the Holiday Inn that's located at 4303 Commerce Road in Richmond, Virginia. It's going to be one amazing day, and if you can't join us, we'll recap it, obviously, on next week's show. And if you stay in Richmond and you're a part of TMPT Con 2 during the day and you're hanging around, head on over to the Backyard Grill, which is also in Richmond, Virginia. It's about 10 minutes away from the Holiday Inn, we're going to be having a special TMPT Con 2 nightcap featuring Eric Bischoff, where it's going to be uh, some drinks, some dinner, and a little bit of a question and answer session going on, moderated by WRVA in Richmond's uh, radio host, Jeff Katz, a good friend of ours. And we are very, uh, very excited for this whole day. It's rapidly approaching. The hours are counting away until John and I get in that car 
and we head down 95 South and hit up Richmond, Virginia, a place that's uh, becoming a secondary home here for the two-man power trip, and we are very happy to help the history of uh, wrestling in Richmond uh, move forward and also bring the fans of Richmond, Virginia and the surrounding area uh, one hell of a show and something very memorable. So please make your plans to join us, and that's all I got to say here. Enjoy this week's episode with New Jack and Two Cold Scorpio. Come back next week. We got a lot of stuff in store here. We got a lot of cool things planned for the coming weeks for the podcast. We'll kind of get back to business here with the podcast at hand and uh, really bring you the best efforts that we can every week here on not just the two-man power trip, but also the triple threat podcast with the franchise. Shane Douglas. So, John, with all that being said, do what you do best. Let's hit him with some two-man power trip of wrestling business and let's get it on over. First to two cold Scorpio and then to New Jack. Now for some TMPT business. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Two Man Power Trip and at Wrestling Pal. Please subscribe to us on YouTube. Also, subscribe to us on iTunes. Please leave us a review. We'd love to hear your feedback. Also, while on iTunes, check out the feed for prior legendary episodes featuring the living legend Bruno Sammartino, the late great American Dream Dusty Rhodes, the Enforcer Arn Anderson, Ray Mysterio Jr., Glenn Kane Jacobs, the phenomenal AJ Styles, lead WWE attorney Jerry McDivitt, and so many others. Also, while you're on the internet, check out ProWrestlingTees.com. Yes, that is ProWrestlingTees.com. They are your superstore for all your wrestling t-shirt needs. Check out our page. Check out Tito Santana, Coco Beware, Kevin Thorne, Magnum TA, and so many others. Also, while you're on the web, check out our website, tmptofwrestling.com. And for all you Android users, please hit us up on Google Play or Player FM. And all you iOS users, please check us out on TuneIn Radio, Automatic, Spotify, and now iHeartRadio. Follow along with a two-man power trip as we come to a town near you. Join us in Richmond, Virginia for TMPTCon 2, May 19th at the Holiday Inn with feature guests Kevin Nash, Easy Eric Bischoff, Mikey Whipwreck, Mark Canterbury, and so many more. So follow along with the two-man power trip as you never know where we may land. And now, without any further ado, he is a former two-time NOAA World Tag Team Champion. He is a former ECW Tag Champ and a four-time television champion. He is the former WCW World Tag Team Champion, formerly known as WWF Superstar Black Punk. He is Too Cold Scorpio. Please enjoy.
guys on the line tonight is a former WCW World Tag Team Champion, a former ECW Tag Team Champion, and a four-time ECW Television Champion. He is a former WWE Superstar, a former WCW Superstar. He's the one and only Too Cold Scorpio. Mr. Scorpio, thank you so much for joining the two-man power trip. Woody Woo, what up, what up? Oh, Scorpio, we're so pumped to have you joining us on Saturday, May 19th in Richmond, Virginia as part of our TMPT Con 2 Pro Wrestling Fan Convention. And definitely, we're so excited to hear you're going to be joining the fray. And the first question I got to ask you is, are you excited to be coming back to the great wrestling city of Richmond, Virginia? Man, it's been so long since I've been down to Richmond. I am so excited. I'm looking forward to coming down, seeing a lot of the old great fans, and meeting a lot of the new ones. Now, Richmond, Virginia, a huge, huge WCW hub back in the day. Also, the WWF can't deny that they didn't go through there a lot of times during your run. But uh, I think an underrated wrestling city, without a doubt, with it, whether it's the history with Mid-Atlantic and Jim Crockett, or through WCW, now, do you remember some of the stops through Richmond? Because I, from what I recall, WCW did go there pretty often. Yeah, you know, Richmond, Virginia, like I say, you know, that was part of the, the WCW stomping ground. So many of the trips up there through Richmond, Virginia. Um, I can remember, you know, going up there more so with WCW than I can with WWE. I don't even remember about WWE. What is WWE? <laughs> Maybe the WWFs. Uh, I think they did some Raws in uh, in Richmond a couple of times throughout uh, you know that late '90s run. A little bit, a little bit, and stuff like that. They the kind of crowd that we was drawing, of course. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Now with Richmond, you know, a couple people on this show, we're gonna have a little bit of an ECW flavor as well, and we can't deny your time. And ECW, that's the first time I remember uh, absolutely freaking out over ECW was seeing you in there being like, this promotion, I don't know what it is, but if it's got Scorpio involved, obviously it's going to be a pretty big deal. But we got C.W. Anderson's also on the show. Mikey Whipwreck's also on the show. And you're going to be on there. It's going to be one heck of an extreme reunion as well. So how do you like that, that ECW also has that little bit of a feel inside of a convention like this as well? You know, man, that's a great feeling, man, to see that the ECW is still getting the profit they've got for bringing out a new product and giving the fans something new to hoot and holler about. Been down there, man, with CW, a lot of the other guys you got coming in, man, it's really going to be a great afternoon and a great opportunity to hook up with some of the old-time heads from back in the day when wrestling was still wrestling. Absolutely, yeah, without a doubt. And you're going to be there with ADT. ATD, excuse me, promotions. ADT is a great security system. ATD promotions. But I, I got to tell you, Scorpio, you know, you're so, it's so great to talk to you. And, and I got to ask you right now, what are you up to these days? What's going on in the world of Too Cold Scorpio? Uh, still seeing you getting out there and wrestling every once in a while. But what's, uh, what's going on in your world these days? You know, basically, man, I'm just enjoying life, you know, traveling around, seeing the world. You know, been all around the world and shit, but never really seen a whole lot. So, you know, I'm just enjoying life a little bit right now. And, uh, you know, the places I do go and shit, you know, I like to spend a little time and uh, see what's really going on in the city and the town. Other than that, man, Tuco Scorpio, man, I'm just blessed to be able to wake up every day, still be able to walk and be able to get in the ring and do what I do when I decide to get in the ring. <laughs> <laughs> and if you're going to see Too Cold Scorpio in the ring, you know you're still going to be in for one hell of a show. 
Because when we think about too cold, we think of the tumbleweed, we think of the splashes, we think of the high flying. And obviously, you know, one of the things that we always are going to identify you with is uh, nobody was doing that at the time. And now when we see a lot of people doing more of the flips and they're doing more of the aerial stuff, at your point, you were really the only guy who was doing things. So looking ahead and seeing what we got today, are you surprised to see so many people using that arsenal that you did, which, like I said, by yourself, you were one of the only ones doing it back then? You know, it's kind of nice that, you know, the people's out there trying to do the same arsenal. Uh, you know, you know, using the moves that Two Cold Scorpio invented, like the 450 and the Tumbleweed. Guys are out there doing it, adding extra twists and extra flips and the things like that. Um, you know, it's always, you know, exciting. But like I say, man, in that time when we was doing it, man, was when nobody doing it like Two Cold Scorpio and at the weight that I was at, you got to figure nowadays guys are looking if they weigh 150 pounds, 200 pounds. You are very seldom see a guy at 250, 260 doing what Two Cold Scorpio was doing. Oh, absolutely. And you felt the impact when you hit the mat. Like you could feel that somebody your size, like you hit that mat and you felt that physicality come through. And there's a lot of guys, a little different body types these days. And there's a lot of them now. So, you know, it doesn't seem like some of the moves are impactful. And you see some of these like moves that would have been somebody's finish back in the day or like a setup move to the setup move. And it kind of takes away from it. But back in the day when, you know, you were rocking and rolling, were there anybody who was telling you, you got to slow it down and you got to change your style, even though you were being so much different than everybody else that was out at that point? You know, you know, when I first broke into the business, man, I had uh, some guys talk to me one time, jumping Jim Bronzel and Greg Gagne. You know, I was the first match and stuff, you know, and uh, I went out there and Colonel DeBeers was on the card. I never forget, man. These guys were saying, yo, man, you can't be out there doing all that flying and drop kicking and this and that. And I was just breaking into the business. Colonel DeBeers came up to me and said, hey, if those veterans can't go out in the ring and follow you, that's on them. Keep doing what you're doing, kid, and you got to make something of yourself when the time comes. So I've been doing what I've been doing thanks to him and, uh, you know, all the great people that I had, you know, coached me along the way. Oh, that's awesome. That's very good. Uh, that's very good to hear from Colonel DeBeers. That's a... Uh... That's a hell of a story, but, you know, like I said, nobody was doing it, and now you see these moves uh, the other night on Monday Night Raw. You saw back-to-back-to-back, like, high spots. Somebody's using a superplex as a setup move, and back in the day when you saw somebody go for a superplex, you'd have to see them leaving in a neck brace, and now you get to see it as just a a setup move, and you get a one count. Yeah, the thing about it is is you get the guy to hit the guy with the move off the top rope, and the guy who took the bump is getting up before the guy who gave it to him. Like, what's (laughs) up with that? Oh, it's crazy, and that's that's what's that's what's lost. The selling's lost. The psychology is lost. And obviously, if those two things are lost, then you're going to start losing the casual fans. And the casual fans are gone. Then who are you really going for? Because the people that are going to be there every week are there every week. And do you kind of see that that the psychology and the selling uh, of a regular basic match are just obviously uh, lost in? I'd say what ninety percent of the wrestling that you see on TV today. Yeah, but, you know, a lot of that has to do with, you know, uh, the guys that's trained a lot of the major companies. I ain't going to call out no names like WWE and NXT. They don't want the guys to take how to, to learn how to take bumps, to learn how to sell. You know, that's what made the business back in the day is guys knew how to bump, guys knew how to sell. You knew who the baby face was. You knew who the heel was. Nowadays, everybody want to have music. You know, everybody want to have fireworks. You know, now when everybody comes to the ring, you want to know you got to question yourself. Who's the baby face and who's the heel? Yeah, it's crazy, and you made a great point there. Maybe it's the people 
who were kind of in the uh, the training method, you know, the training side of things. And, you know, we think back to when you were breaking in, you think of guys like, you know, like somebody like a Bill Watts who was in charge, obviously, at WCW at one point. You think of some of these more, you know, uh, distinguished veterans who at the time, they wouldn't settle for anybody who missed something in a match. They were looking for stuff that you had to keep going in a match. And, and maybe that's the thing now. You think it really has more to do with the people teaching it than uh, maybe just as much as the guys actually doing the moves in the matches? I think it has more so to do with the lawsuits than anything else. You know, uh, you know, they're scared to have the concussion lawsuit or, or somebody, you know, get hurt in the ring and now they come down on them because that seems to be the biggest thing that, you know, most of the guys now, they got guys wearing headgear, hockey gear, learn how to take bumps. You know what I mean? They just, I've never, ever seen that until now. You know, that's something new, you know. But, you know, the wrestling is always revolving and turning into something new. But that's something I would choose not to go to. Yeah, that's a great point. I, I actually, I just noticed that recently, too, that they're putting on pads and helmets and and. and they're broadcasting this for us to see, which is crazy enough in its own right, that I can go and put on a YouTube clip and see guys taking back bumps with shoulder pads and head protection. But, you know, the one thing I kind of think about, do you think that Vince kind of took his eye off the prize and maybe he's not as much of a perfectionist as he used to be because there's no competition anymore? You know, that, you know, I think that has a lot to do with everything. You know, back in the day when you had WCW and ECW, you know, you had something different to give the people. You had a different product. Now you turn around and Vince buys up everything and kills off everything that was good. You know, when WCW was hopping, you know what I mean? When he bought it around, he turned around and killed it, you know, and it was the junior division that made it, you know. Same thing, ECW was rocking and rolling. He turned around and buy it and then turn around and kill it. Why? He wanted to water it down and make it, you know, more PG, you know, but yet they're doing tits and ass and X-rated everything else, but let's water down the hardcore. Makes no sense at all. You know, if you want to kill something, they did a great job of doing it. So now you were there, obviously, when when the heat of the Monday Night War was going on, and you saw, obviously, you know, kind of the desperation moves that Vince had to make. Were you kind of surprised to see him challenged so much by WCW and, and to see that you guys – you know, they made a lot of changes. They changed the raw set. They changed the look of it. They went to more of the, uh, you know, obviously the attitude, quote, attitude era. Uh, were you surprised to see Vince kind of make those uh, adjustments just to compete with a, a hot product like WCW was? At that given point in time and stuff, you know, Vince was all about marketing and making the money. If somebody else is making the money off of having attitude type wrestlers, then why not me? You know, so at that given point in time when the attitude era came out, it was probably some of the best wrestlers they was doing up there at that time and shit because a lot of the guys that we had up there at that given point in time in WWE, it was all about attitude. And that was a straight shoot. And that has a lot to do with why they had uh, the fall for ball. You had too many attitudes and too many big heads where everybody wanted to be the bosses out there in the business. Very true. And uh, the brawl for all, I don't know if that was a, a big success. I remember, obviously, you were in it and ended up losing to the Godfather, but if you think about it, I don't know if that was the you know the the best idea to to go ahead and do that. It was one of the worst ideas they did. If you have never made a name for yourself in the business, that was a good thing to get into to make a little extra money. At that given point in time, with me just coming in, that was a perfect opportunity for me to make you know a hundred grand, you know, for for going out there and boxing. You know what I mean? Wrestling, boxing. And basically all it was is, is who, who's got the biggest ego? 
You know, a lot of guys that they ask to get into it, Ron Simmons, Vader, like, man, it makes no sense for me to go out there after so many years of building up my professional career, go out there and get your butt beat, get knocked out in the first round or something. Now your whole career just went down the drain. Like, you know, how they expose the business sometimes is quite crazy, but, you know, you know, it's what they do. You know, it's not, it's not, you know, the wrestling sport like it used to be. It's entertainment. And it's interesting. So you got extra money to basically put your you know name on the line for that tournament besides your normal pay. They gave you extra to participate in it. Oh yeah, yeah. It was like I, uh, you know, it turned out to be ten fights, and if you won all ten fights, you know, it was like a hundred grand, like a thousand dollars per fight that you got. You know, so yeah, I got my two grand and shit and ran. You know, so. <laughs> <laughs> And what's funny about you, I don't think a lot of people realize it because you're such an innovator of offense and such a great high flyer. I don't think people realize, like, oh, shit, you know, Scorpio is a legit tough guy over here. You know, if if everyone <laughs> ever heard the story, you know, this guy's beating up uh, Road Warrior Hawk and then stuff. So you're a legit tough guy, too. And, you know, I, I ain't no tough guy and shit, you know, nothing like that, but I ain't got no problem about holding my own. You know what I mean? So, you know, I ain't got no problem about stepping to, to, to anybody. You know, whether I get my butt kicked or not, I have no problem about stepping to anybody. But I, I do fairly well, you know. <laughs> now, switching gears here, I had to mention the Survivor Series 96 because I was there about 12 rows back. And everyone always talks about The Rock's debut. And I always think, like, man, I didn't kind of like his debut because he, he was a little green. His look wasn't great, blah, blah. But your debut was that night. I'm like, yes, yeah, Scorpio, obviously with the name Flash Funk. But it was like, wow, Scorpio is finally in, in the WWF. Did you enjoy the Flash Funk character at all? When I first saw it, I kind of thought it was cool just because you were playing the character. But did you like Flash Funk at all? You know, the whole Flash Funk gimmick was, was a challenge. You know, it was a challenge to me. And it was a challenge that, that I made toward Vince. You know, at the same time, you know, like I told him when he had, you know, presented the character to me. You know, he was asking, you know, do you sing? Do you play instrument? I was like, no, I don't, I don't sing. I don't play an instrument, but I dance. You know what I mean? And uh, when I seen the picture and uh, the drawings of everything that he had, it, it it looked like it was Rick James, basically, you know? So, you know, he was a, a fan of Rick James and stuff back in the day, you know, and Rick James was nothing but a big freak himself, you know, kind of like Vince is, you know, a freak of nature, you know what I mean? So, you know, so that's kind of why I think that he kind of liked the character. But anyways, he was telling me that, you know, I told him that I could take this character and I can get it over in, in a couple of months instead of a year. He says, there's nobody that's been able to get over a character without me pushing them in, 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 in less than a year's time. I was like, so that's a challenge to me. So that's why I basically took the Flash Funk gimmick. And uh, and me, personally, I kind of enjoyed it, you know, doing, doing something different. I would have preferred to be too cold Scorpio down there. Because that's what I was most of my career and most of the places that I've been. But, you know, for that challenge, you know, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. I can't tell no lie. I enjoyed it. Did you also enjoy having the Funkettes with you as well when you were dancing? Man, two cold Scorpio always like to have two. Who doesn't like to have two beautiful women by him? What's wrong with you? Very, I think every man is dreaming to have true. two women. You know, I mean, walking to the ring with them at all times, riding around in the limousine. Now they was real nice, but they was very professional and stuff. You know, that's what I, you know, enjoyed about them. You know, even when I was in WCW, the dancers that I had down in WCW, 
they was from the uh, the Knicks basketball drill team. And from what I understand, the girls originally that he had was from the uh, was from the Knicks, I believe. I say as well. That was part of the, the some of the dancers that they used to have and stuff. So they was professional dancers and stuff like that. So dealing with professional dancers that you know know how to keep a beat and stuff like that, it was real easy for us to, to come together with a dance routine and stuff. So it was real nice to have them. Some nice nice eye candy, you know. Can't complain. Nice eye candy. Absolutely, a hundred percent on on that for sure. It's interesting at this point. Flash Funk makes a debut. I mean, the crowd loved it. Obviously, you know, it's still the great Tuco Scorpio wrestler per se. But they didn't really push the Flash Funk character all that much. Did that you know bother you at all at that point that they kind of didn't put everything into it that they probably should have? No, you know, I've kind of, you know, learned, you know, kind of old school, you know, I'm kind of like, you know, kind of another one of the stories that Colonel Tabir told me, you know, it's like, if you win or if you lose, doesn't really matter because you still get paid the same. So whether you're pushing me or you're not pushing me, that check is there every Monday. I don't give a damn as long as that check is there every Monday, you know what I mean? Because my thing is I've learned over the business working for a company like that, you know, you nothing but a hoe. In reality, all those wrestlers, we ain't nothing but holes, and Vince was the biggest pimp out there. He pimp us out, he uses us from town to town, pays for our town. When you get tired of it, you get old, get rid of your ass and buy some new holes. You know, that's just part of the business, unfortunately. That's actually uh, well said, and it kind of fits into the, the Flash Phone character as well, you know. The, <laughs> exactly, you know. So. <laughs> <laughs> the thing that's interesting at, at that point, it's like, man, you know, I felt like especially with, you know, but they had, they're kind of pushing Mark Merrow a little bit. Obviously, uh, HBK is getting a push. You got the Owen Hart to the world there. Triple H is getting a little push. They had Vader. Uh, did you feel that, you know, you were kind of being slighted at all? Or like you said, with Colonel De Beers, was that less? Well, you know, you know, kind of, you know, kind of like my thing was, is, you know, as I was kind of new coming in, I definitely was making a name for myself. But at the same time, when you have so many different bosses, you know, in the office and everybody want to push their guy, you know, to be on the top and say, you're not on anybody's main roster. You're just an extra hand in the building, you know? So, you know, until that time really comes, I really kind of felt that I would have liked it more of a push. I thought I would have done a lot better if there was more of a push behind it. But then again, at the same time, um, was I rated that game point time? I had been to Japan, around the world, ECW. I had their titles, I had belts. My thing is, and this goes for anybody around the world, you know, there's a lot of great wrestlers out there, but not everybody is a champion. Very true. So, you know, I don't, you know, I believe that I would have been great in that television division or something like that. Maybe not quite a heavyweight division yet because at that given point in time, we still had some big guys. You know, Davy Boy, you know, it was around still. You know, you had Vader, you know, guys like that. So, you know, we still had some big guys that could actually work still who had, you know, great mouthpieces with them. You know, Vader had Hardy Race, you know, and things like that. So, you know, there was a lot of guys that had a little bit bigger name than I had at that given point in time, even though I've been in the business just as long, just hadn't been on that national TV as long. Definitely. And, you know, as you kind of move on from uh, from Flash Funk, they had you team with Ron Simmons. They had you teaming with Terry Funk. Obviously, you joined the job squad with Al Snow and company, and they kind of make you Scorpio again. 
Is that something that you were kind of like shooting for that you wanted to kind of be Scorpio all along? You know, you know, in reality, you know, I, you know, Scorpio is me, you know, Scorpio, Tuco Scorpio, that's basically a shit, you know, that's what I wanted to be. But then again, you know, to go out and that, to take a challenge and accomplish it is more bigger than going out and just being yourself that you know you're good at and, and everybody knows you as. To take on something that you haven't done is more of a challenge to me, especially if you're accomplishing and, and get to what goals I did get, didn't get all the goals I wanted to as flash from, but I got some of them. Now, is this uh, story true about your exit from the WB? Basically, you wanted time off and they kind of just released you. Is that actually accurate to what happened? Basically, I was on the Jenny Craig Crick diet. Yeah, you know, I, I see myself going downhill, you know, doing that weekend warrior. Next thing you know, shit, I'm smoking crack all the goddamn time. You know what I mean? Then it got to the point where I was smoking, still being able to work. But then I started missing shows. Yeah, and I started showing up late and, you know, stuff like that. So I started hearing about Road Dog, X-Pac, and all the other guys who was getting paid. And they were still paying them to go to rehab and this and that and everything else. And they was paying them, you know, to do all of this. You know, so I said, oh, they're paying them to go to rehab. Maybe I'll get them to pay to go with mine. So I had told them that I needed time off. I talked to Jim Ross. I talked to Vince, and I said, hey, guys, I need time off. I got to go get some help, you know what I mean? Because I knew that I was, you know, kind of heading down that down that road. You know, I didn't want to be another statistic, you know, be another guy in the business that, 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 that lost it because of the drugs and stuff. So I, you know, decided to get clean and come out of that at that given point in time. And so um, when I went and talked to Jim Ross, Ross was like, all right, I missed the show out in Denver. And he was like, okay, call me on, I believe he said, like, call me on a Wednesday I turned around and I would say was driving my kids from at that given point in time I was in Atlanta, Atlanta, uh I believe I was in Georgia, so I was in Atlanta at the time. So I was driving my kids back out to Colorado, which was a two day drive. So when I got there I ended up calling, which ended up being a Thursday by like noon. I called him up and I then Ross turned around and says, Well, you know, uh well I'm sorry man, we, we got nothing for you. We're gonna have to let you go. We'll pay you for it for three more months. And then uh, that was that, but they never said nothing about the, you know, the rehab. And then two, three years later on down the line, you get that letter, you know, the the wellness policy program that WWF is paying for any of the wrestlers to go to rehab and, you know, that, that want to get clean. And by that given point in time, you know, three or four years on down the line, after I had left the WWF, I was already clean. You know, I had, you know, went through it by myself. You know, sweated out by myself and stuff like that. So had everything had 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 worked out, you know, by by the grace of God. You know, not nothing to do with those guys at all. You know, so Vince, you know, Vince McMahon had nothing to do with it. None of them guys had anything to do with with me getting clean. Just you know, them releasing me, which basically, you know, kind of kind of basically just kind of pissed me off a little bit. But you know, they had you know on down the line, Ross did have said something about yeah, if you if you get clean and this and that, you know, you. You know, capacity drug test, you're more than welcome to try. So, called him up, called him up, called him up 20, 40, 40 times after I was clean and never got a response until I went back over to Japan. And in 06, in 06, I had got a call to go back um, to the WWF. But um, my ex wife at that point in time, or my ex wife, now my wife at that time has said, that, you know, that's just basically is a setup. I wouldn't sign a contract. I wouldn't go back to the WWF because the only thing is they want your name. 
you know, so that way they got this new product coming out, and that was the 24-hour TV and that the library and, you know, from PCW and the library from WCW and some of the stuff that they bought from Japan. So they was, you know, basically was just needed me to sign off so they could, could show all my shit and, and not pay me no damn royalties or not pay me anything that they haven't paid me yet. You know, I ain't seen nothing from the guys in over 20 years as far as royalties or merchandise, but yet you study making money, you know, showing the match of me and Chris Benoit, me and Eddie and shit all the time on your 24-7 TV, you know, getting money and getting paid, but I ain't seen a damn dime. Yeah, unfortunately, I guess that's the way it works out with the network. None, no, none of the guys who are getting paid for what all their stuff is on there. Right. It is kind of crazy. And if I could rewind back to those matches with Benoit and Eddie, especially Benoit, I remember you guys in WCW specifically, you guys always tore it down. I mean, it's just one of those things where it's like, man, you don't know if they're going to have great chemistry, but Benoit is a great wrestler. Scorpio is a great wrestler. Two completely different styles, but they had a great match. You remember those matches fondly and the, the awesome chemistry you had with the guys like Benoit? You know, the thing about it was, which what a lot of people didn't really understand, is when me and Chris got together, we had such great chemistry that when we went out and we had a bad match that was bad to me and him, everybody thought it was a good match. When we had a good match, people thought it was a great match. So when we had a great match, it was, you know, barn burner. You know what I mean? So that's the kind of chemistry that we had and stuff, which was really good because, you know, you know, a lot of people don't really know, but when I first went to Japan, Chris had the opportunity to go home for three weeks and he decided to stay in Japan for two weeks to help me out. And he had just met me and didn't really know me, but he decided to stay and help me out so I can get used to the Japanese style of technique and for the ass whooping that I had coming, you know, so he didn't even have to do that. He could have went home, you know, being with his wife and daughter at that given point in time or his son and kid at that given point in time, but he decided to stay, you know, so that really helped me out a lot. Because he smartened me up a lot to to what I was really in for store when I went over to New Japan to train. Now, when you went to the New Japan dojo, you did some training, and you're part of New Japan Pro Wrestling. How did you actually kind of get in? Did, did they scouted you? Did they see you someplace? No, nah, man. Just, you know, it's that you know that old funny story. You know, all because of Big Van Vader. You know, every place that I've been, you know, pretty much from New Japan, Mexico. Germany, um, you know, WCW, WWF was all because I was riding on Vader's coattail. That's how I got into all this was that I got into. Vader was, I was working in Denver, I believe at, uh, I want to say it was Mile High at the time, way back in the day, 85, 84, 85, when I got out of school, working a little local show. Vader was a big name, and he had just got together with uh, AWA at that time. And uh, was a champion, was down there with Brad Ringing, had just went over to Japan and run the Triple Crown. And he also had won the heavyweight belt with uh, Autobahns over there in Germany. So when he when he came in, he was the main event on the show. Him and uh, Jerry Blackwell was like, you know, one of the main events on one of the shows. And he seen me work with uh, one of the great hands of the business back in the day, um, Airborne Ranger. Um, was one of the guys that I worked with. And uh, like I said, we went out and tore down the house. Vader had seen the match and seen my style of wrestling. And uh, and says, man, you kind of got that Japanese style 
type of refs in the high fives. I had taught myself. I didn't have nobody to train me. I had trained myself when I first broke into the business. And so when Vader had spotted me, he was like, man, I just came back from Japan. I can get you over there. Do you got any video footage? And at that given point in time, I had no idea about getting video footage or having video footage of me training at some of these little local shows and stuff that I was doing. So Vader had paid a guy to show up at one of the shows that he was on and uh, come take my match for me. And I was working with Playboy Buddy Rhodes on one of the shows one night. And then the next night I was working with the young kid, the high flyer. And uh, because Playboy Buddy Rhodes got out of town, so they had to reschedule my match. And uh, Vader ended up taking the match, taped it, cut it up, and made a highlight reel. Took it over to Japan and sold me to Japan about four or five months, six months down the line. Vader said, I'll let you know something when I come back from Japan. About a year went by, and then Vader finally called me up and says, yo, would you, uh, what'd you think about going to Japan and be trained by him? They'll pay you to go to Japan and train and pay you so much and blase, blase. I was like, man, you tell them I would be honored if they would, you know, accept me over Japan and train me and stuff at that given point in time. So that's how I've been able to go from you know, New Japan, the WCW, to Mexico, to Germany, to around the world was because of Vader. And then after that, you know, after Vader got my foot in the door and all those places I've been, kind of took off and started doing things myself from there. Crazy to think that, you know, the big, mean, uh, Mastodon, the Beast, Vader, is, is helping you out. I mean, it's not that, obviously, he's not you know, the guy behind the scenes. He was, he was always a beast. He was always mean. I always heard all kind of shit about him. But what people don't understand, if Vader liked you, he'll give the shirt off his back to you. You know what I mean? If he liked you. <laughs> and if you if he didn't like you, you probably have to be pretty scared of him. Yeah, you will hear about it, you know, one way or the other when you got in the ring with him. Said, Believe me, he was going to kill it, you know, because he was so used to working that big man, strong style, Japanese style, which was, you know, very much physical, way more physical than American style. Definitely. Does that kind of take a while to get used to? Because you go from one style and then it's Japan where they expect, you know, a little bit, obviously, the strong style, a little tougher style. To let it in, right. Expect better matches as well. <laughs> you know, I, I did have that uh, that problem a few times with a few of the WWF guys, you know, right out of, uh, even in WCW when I came right out of the, the dojo and went to WCW and then I went to WWF because I've always trained and worked strong style as I got out of Japan. And I had a few guys tell me, yo, man, lighten up, this is not Japan, you know what I mean? So, yeah. <laughs> And if you think about New Japan when you were there, I mean, Benoit, Eddie Guerrero, Owen Hart, uh, Fit Finley, Jushin Thunder Liger, El Samurai, Kanemoto, Negro Casas. I mean, God, I mean, who's who of some of the greatest talent and the greatest high flyers ever? I mean, was it pretty unbelievable to kind of be that young in the business and, and thrown in there with a lot of those greats? Right, because at that given point in time that I had went to Japan, those guys had been to Japan several times, and they was already had was making a name for themselves. So I was like the new kid on the block, you know, still yet, you know, when I went over there. So to be over there with all that great talent and all that different styles, I was quite blown away, you know, to, to be able to work with different talent 
you know, every single night. You never know what you was going to get when you stepped in the ring. You know, am I going to be working Mexican style? Am I working Japanese? Or am I working American? You know, because it was a little bit of everything, you know, during that tournament, you know, which was, you know, quite mind-blowing, but it was a great opportunity for me to be in. I mean, such great talent. And obviously, when you're in WCW as well, you get to partner with Ron Simmons, which is pretty cool, pretty pretty good uh, uh, surprise guy for Clash of the Champions when you, you debut. But did you enjoy your time at all in, in WCW? You know, man, I truly enjoyed my time in WCW. You know, like I said, when I first got into WCW, I had the pleasure of, you know, riding in the car, you know, because when I got down there, I didn't, didn't have a car. I didn't have nobody to partner up with at the time. And so for me, first of all, to be Ron Simmons, you know, mystery partner, be his partner at all, period. You know what I mean? He's talking about all American. I've seen the guy, him and Butch Reed. It's like, you know, I grew up watching guys. So for me to be in the ring and to be tagged with, it was like, damn, this is nice, you know? And so, but for me to be riding the car with Hardy Race and Vader and um, the Barbarian when I first got there, and then having guys like Pez Wiley and Junkyard Dog and Abdul the Butcher, different people like that kind of coached me and trained me along the way. So I had a lot of great mentors, you know, along the way who helped me, you know, in the business. And I love some of the underrated matches that they would kind of put you in, whether it's against Cactus Jack, uh, Great Muda, Steve Austin, or even I remember a great match you had with Barry Windham. Right, right. <laughs> And that was after a 14-hour flight straight to Japan, straight to whatever city that was in, man. I had to fight whatever. And it was like, you know, it was the first time that I ever wrestled against Barry Window. He didn't really know a whole lot about me. He had seen a few of my matches. I seen a lot of his matches because I kind of grew up on that Texas wrestling and stuff down there, you know, world-class wrestling and stuff back in the day. So I was very familiar with Barry, but. You know, when I got there from Japan, you know, I was, you know, pretty much jet lagged and about half tired. And a true veteran, you know, you know, he came up and, you know, asked me what I could do and walked away from me. You know, I was like, well, damn, well, are we going to talk about the matching? And I guess not. You know, so I'm thinking, you know, I'm going old school. You know, you'll find out in the ring. So, you know, I didn't really sweat it because I had worked a lot of matches over in with Japan where everything was basically called out in the ring. There was nothing that was, you know, translated back and forth. You knew what the finish was. You went out. You know what, how much time you had. You just went out and just, you know, you had a match in the hill called it, basically. You know, so um, Barry came back. He asked me a few more times what I was going to do. We never talked about the match again. And then he walked away from me. So I was like, man, I, what the fuck? You know, he's not going to work with me, man. He, what, we ain't going to have a match or, you know, what's going on here? You know, so. Uh, about, you know, I started getting ready. So I'm going to say we're about 30 minutes out. You know, the show's already started. We're about 30 minutes out before we have to go on. And then he comes over and he talks to me for about five minutes, man, real quick. Nothing but the finish. Everything else, he asked me again, well, what do you think, what can I do, da 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 as far as spots and so forth. We went out there, man. He basically called the whole match in the ring. We just tore down the house, man. So, you know, for me, you know, to get out there and work with him at that given point in time, and still be able to pull it off after a 14-hour flight, you know, I was impressed with myself, you know, so. 
I'll tell you, I would literally cut off my right arm to go back and, and watch these matches live again because that was the glory day, man. I, I hate to say it that we got to look back on it, but it's. Uh, I wish wrestling was at that point again and, and so exciting and so fun. But before we get into the wrap up portion of the show here with John, I just I got to throw one more thing out about ECW. And before you went to the WWF, your exit from ECW might be one of the top exits ever from a promotion. Because when do you ever get to see a guy leave literally without getting beat and going out on top the way that you did? It was absolutely unbelievable. And this is a question that I literally have had in the holster since 1996, dying to ask you this. Who came up with that? Was that Paul E with that finish to have you beat three or four of his guys, send them away for 30, 60, 90 days, and then literally have you go out on top, leaving the company, going into the uh, to the WWF the next night? It was an unbelievable exit from ECW at November to remember you know, 96. Paul E was a mastermind of putting shows and matches together. But what people don't realize is it's Todd. TG, Todd is God. That's my boy. He had a <laughs> lot of input on everything that Chuko Scorpio did in ECW. I think without Todd really pushing me and suggesting some things to Paulie, now Paulie knew how to make money on certain wrestlers, knew what wrestlers was good and which ones he could make money with. But I think with that extra bug in his ear, you know, really helped from Todd. You know, let's do something different. Everybody knows that he's going to be leaving. You know, everybody was saying it before I even got there. You know, the news was out. Everybody knew, oh, yeah, Scorpio's leaving, but who's leaving with him? They had no idea, and they knew I was going to do a job. So, you know, the whole idea was to go out there and, and play like I was going to do a job. And I could say, man, to, to, to fight three guys in one night before you exit is unheard of. But like you said, but one of the best exits I probably could have could have made and then to turn around and, and to lose my final match to to probably one of the to one of the great underrated may you rest in peace Louis Coley you know what I mean so you know that was to me was just another phenomenal night you know to, to be there and woman was there and Sam so it was to me it was just a a great night to walk out. You know, I couldn't ask for a better match to do it in. If nobody's seen it before, you come out, you cut a, a, a you know, impassionate farewell promo, and you basically tell the entire ECW arena that uh, if anybody wants to beat you, they got to come out to the ring and they got to do so. And you made uh, quick work of Devin Storm and I think, oh man, maybe Kid Cash. I mean, there was three or four guys, Hack Myers. That you beat JT Smith, I think was another one. I mean, you literally went through their guys. <laughs> yeah, that was uh, phenomenal. Yeah, definitely. I think JT Smith was like the second one that I had. I'm not really sure if it was Devlin or not on my first one. I'm not even really sure and stuff, man. So, you know, too many, too many pounds ago, man. Hard to remember. <laughs> Absolutely. Now, would you say, <laughs> would you say that's the high point for you in ECW? I would definitely have to say, you know, my, you know, my thing was, you know, my high point, you know, everybody's talking about, oh, what's your high point? You know, the matches and the shows. For me, the highest point for me of all times of going out to ECW was hanging out with my boy Todd. Todd made it possible every time I went down there to be down there, to, to want to come back and be down there. It had, a, you know, I enjoyed, love working. I love the party that he put out, but I love hanging out with Todd and uh, becoming close to him. So that really you know, made the whole deal, having the package deal, the Sandman, the posse, you know, all of us riding together, you know, partying together, you know, just enjoying life, you know. So to me, that was like one of my biggest highlights, you know, 
to, to be invited into to the posse, which, you know, when I first got there, it was uh, Ty Gordon, Nancy, Fonzie, and the Sandman. You know, they would always ride all the shows. Everywhere they go, they would always go together. So for them to invite me in to ride with them, you know, and be part of the posse, man, that was uh, some of the great and best memories that I will, will, will most have. I probably remember the memories with Todd and us hanging out and partying more so than the matches I had. <laughs> <laughs> now, as we start to wind it down, I had to ask this because, I mean, we were talking about New Japan, but I also wanted to mention not really all, all Japan, but the jump to, to pro wrestling Noah because – no, at that point became the number one, you know, organization in Japan. Obviously, in the past, New Japan was number one. All Japan was number one for a period of time. But Pro Wrestling Noah was pretty great. You were a tag champ, but not only Doug Williams, but with Vader there. Did you like your time in Pro Wrestling Noah? And did you enjoy your time in Japan, especially after getting used to the strong style? After being over in Japan, you know, my, my two favorite companies out of all the companies over in Japan was Noah as number one, New Japan as number two. Ben Hot New Japan was where I trained at and learned basically all of my Japanese styles and skills from. You know, those was my company. But with me going, making that jump from all Japan with Vader and Richie and going over to Noah, us three guys been there for the whole year only us three, and then helping build up the company meant more to me to be part of NOAA than it did any other Japanese company that I was with. NOAA at that point was crazy how they basically you know, took all the All Japan guys after Giant Baba's death, and, and Misawa took all the guys over and legitimately just made it just a, just a force. It was so impressive with Babashi and all the other guys. It was, it was that, like you said, that was a great time. Was that like surprising at that point that Noah was able to so quickly basically become the number one dog in Japan? You know, for, for me, it was, you know, very surprising to see how fast we moved up the scale. But then again, like you say, you know, we had a lot of the top guys from a lot of the top companies from a lot of the guys from all Japan, as well as a few of the other guys that was coming in, Tenru and a lot of guys that was well-known with a lot of other groups and now and that group, but they was also working with new japan guys and different you know name guys bringing them in to be part of our show and stuff as well so you know that was really 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 surprising to see how fast noah had took off and how fast we became the number one company over there but then again we was also putting out a very good product again you know, which really makes a difference, you know, um, Japanese guys over there, you know, with the Noah and us and American guys over there, we actually was probably one of the, one of the first companies really that was actually selling and working during our matches and not so much as working the Japanese style match where nobody sells the whole match. And so it's a finish, you know, so I believe that really made a difference with their product that they was putting out at that given point in time too, as well. And that was such a special time for sure. I, I remember pro wrestling. That was so vividly such great matches all the way around. But speaking about your amazing career, do you have some favorite matches that stick out when you look back and say, you know, I really enjoyed wrestling, you know, so-and-so or do you have some favorites? You know, you know, the thing about it is, is I've been in this business over 36, 37 years. There's so many favorite matches 
you know, that I can't even remember them all. You know, um, like you say, you know, the ones that really stick out the most is some of the matches that me and Chris Benoit, me and Eddie Guerrero, you know, that that we had, you know, in Mexico, Japan, ECW. You know, what people don't realize is I fought these guys, you know, with Chris and Eddie around the world. You know what I mean? In a lot of different places. You know, I had great matches over in Germany, you know, working with Fit Finley and, and Robbie, you know, Brookside, you know, guys like that. You know, so, you know, and then for me to be in Japan and work with guys like Kobahashi, you know, one of the greats, you know, Mizawa, you know, Ogawa, you know, guys like that, you know, for me, you know, was, and to be in the ring and work with Muda, you know, Muda was, was always known and was famous. And, you know, I had, you know, opportunities to work with the great Kabuki, you know, stuff like that. So for me, I had a really great opportunities to work with a lot of the, the great top you know, superstars of Japan as well as America. So for me, it's like a lot of special matches, but it's really hard for me to call and specify on which one. You know, the, over the years and the time, you know, it's just hard. And think about you and your career. I just remember you basically were kind of gone from WCW, but you still were a part of When Worlds Collide when they did that big show in Mexico. You're still a part of Collision in Korea when they went to Korea. You were kind of you know a go-to guy, and when they had a big important shows, they kind of wanted you on there and to showcase your skills. Is that something you you know you look back finally? It's like wow, you know I got to wrestle Korea and, and Mexico for these these giant shows. You know, that's, you know, that's one of the biggest jokes that I always talk about, you know, you know, in all my years in the business, there's one thing that I got on Hulk Hogan. I don't got a whole lot of shit on him, but there's one thing that I got on him. I wrestled for more people than you did for two nights in a row. I wrestled for 199,000 <laughs> people, not one night, but two nights. You know what I mean? So, you know, that's what I, you know, it's what I always look at, you know, not only that though, but how many people have ever been in North Korea? Not very many people go to North Korea. You know, so to be a part of that, you know, so-called peace treaty, you know, we supposed to be on a peace treaty, and I end up, you know, getting in a fight and whooping, whooping Hawk's ass over there, you know what I mean? But, you know, that's <laughs> not here to say, but, you know, it's like, you know, it's just kind of weird, you know, like like how stuff happens sometimes. And there's very few people, like, who will, will never get the chance or the opportunity probably to ever go to North Korea or or see what, what, what Cummins' life is really like. And, you know, you talk about Germany, you talk about North Korea, Japan, and we're going to bring it back to Richmond, Virginia on May 19th when Scorpio, that's right. That's right around the corner, man. That's like less than two weeks away. That's right, right around the corner. It's TMPT Con 2. It's our convention, the way we want it to be done, the way we want fans to interact with the wrestlers. You're going to be with ATD Promotions. It's going to be one hell of a show. So, Scorpio... What do you have to say to the fans? Give us the last final pitch here for the TMPT Con 2 show in Richmond as we're only a few weeks out and the fans are going to be able to uh, kind of reach out and touch uh, the great Two Cold Scorpio. Man, I'm going to tell you like this, man. Two Cold Scorpio, I like to keep it real, 100%. You know, ADD bringing me out and bringing CW Amazon, let me tell you something. If you want to interact, if you want to have a conversation, if you want to spend your money with somebody that want to take your money and tell you the stories what's going on, you got to stop by the table of Two Cold Scorpio. Come holler at the ECW. Come holler at me and come and see what it's going to be in Richmond, Virginia. Come to Fan Fest there, y'all. Hey, right around the corner, May 19th, y'all. Get out. Get your ticket now. Two Cold Scorpio's got his bags packed, and I'm on my way. 
<laughs> Absolutely. And Scorpio, before we wrap it up, I got to ask you, if you got anything else going on in your world, please feel free to share with the listeners of the show. The floor is yours. Man, right now, sir, man, I ain't got a whole lot going on. But I tell you what, if you're there at the convention, don't be surprised if you see Tuco Scorpio wrestling that night somewhere close. Get online. Check out your social media because Tuco Scorpio is not only going to be at the convention, but I'm going to be ready to step in the ring and do my thing and be funky like I be. You know what I'm saying? Tuco Scorpio is ready to rock and roll and show the people in Richmond, Virginia. Woo, woo. I still got it. <laughs> and we usually end it so sappy and like, uh, you know, so Barbara Waltersy with our, uh, you know, inside the actor studio questions, but we can't end it any better than that. So Scorpio, thank you so much for joining us. We look forward to seeing you out in a couple of weeks. Uh, you are the man and we look forward to uh, hanging out with you that day. Man, we're going to have a blast, man. I'm going to see y'all on the 19th. All the great fans out there, man. I'm telling you now, the convention is going to be off the hook. Come on out. Come and hang. You ain't got nothing else better to do than to come out and talk to Two Cold Scorpio. And I'm going to see y'all May 19th. Don't be late. Cause I'm going to be there all day. Tonight is a former three-time ECW World Tag Team Champion, a former Smoky Mountain Wrestling, and a USWA World Tag Team Champion. He is the original gangsta. He is the one and only New Jack. Thank you so much for joining the two-man power trip of wrestling. Hi, what's up? Oh, man, New Jack, nothing much. We are pumped to be having you join us with ESS Promotions at our convention on May 19th. In Richmond, Virginia, it's TMPT Con 2, Richmond, Virginia, one hell of a wrestling town. How do you feel about getting down there and meeting all the fans in uh, in a great city, possibly one of the more underrated wrestling cities in America? I'm looking forward to it, man. I haven't been to Richmond in years. I mean, it's been 
years, maybe 10 years, I was last time I was in the I don't know, wrestle there and enjoy those highlights. So, I mean, you know, I'm looking forward to coming down there. Richmond's an underrated wrestling town, like I said. I mean, you know, whether it's uh, Jim Crocker Promotions, WCW, WWE, and I think even ECW might have gone through Richmond a little bit. It's uh, it's a pretty rabid fan base that I think is kind of untapped. And uh, you know what they say about Southern wrestling fans? You know, they can be a little more uh, a little more rabid. But I think in a meet and greet, I think you're the perfect guy to be joining us because uh, I don't know. Uh, ECW still holds a huge place in everybody's heart. I think everybody's gonna really dig seeing you that day. Yeah, absolutely. And you're going to be with the one and only Eric Sims, who in himself can be like his own traveling uh, meet and greet because him, the gimmick of Eric Sims is, uh, is kind of funny to be around. If you've never seen him in person, he's, uh, he's quite the character. So you being with DSS promotions, it's a, uh, it's a great pairing. Yeah, I mean, Eric, and that, we've been boys for years, man. I've, I've done a lot of things with Eric. And it's not only you, but we got a couple other ECW flavors in the room that day. C.W. Anderson's going to be there. Mikey Whipwreck is going to be there. Two Cold Scorpio's going to be there. So when all the ECW guys get together in one room, is it like uh, one big family reunion? Right. Yeah. Yeah, most of the time it is. We always have a good time. I saw Mikey two weeks ago in New York. We did a little title. Yeah, you know that was that was quite the collection of uh, ECW talent in one place up in uh, at the Wrestling Universe in New York. That was a uh, that was quite the 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 little ECW uh, reunion there. But you know Richmond, Virginia. Now for ECW, did you guys pass through Richmond a lot? We did Richmond a couple of times, not a lot, but we we did go there a couple of times. And the show turned out pretty good. Yeah, I'm telling you, it's it's very underrated, and especially with you. I mean, you're such a you know you're, you're such a, a favorite of the ECW crowd. Obviously, whenever you pass through, people aren't going to forget it. So I'm sure if there are times that you might have forgotten about, they'll be able to remind you because the wrestling fans are like uh, they're like an elephant. Nobody ever forgets anything. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> exactly. So now I got to tell you. So get prepared for this interview. You know, you get to be maybe a little nervous sometimes. You don't want to ask the wrong questions. We've been doing this a long time, so we know what to ask, what not to ask. So I got to say, you know, with, with you being uh, on our bill and coming to our show, I, I, we're just excited to have you. But what's something that you like to talk about when you come on an interview like this? Instead of hearing the same old stuff over and over, what's something that you like to actually shoot the breeze about when it comes to your wrestling days? I mean, it don't really matter to me, man. I mean, you know, I talk about anything Which wasn't even on our... I done did interviews and, and I've talked about them guys so many. I've, I've had people ask me about them guys so many times. I'm like, Jesus Christ, this shit happened in 1995. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I just, I don't talk about it anymore. Yeah, it's crazy because, I mean, with you, obviously, you know, we know all the questions that get asked. You know, we're, you know, we've been doing this for a long time. We know what to ask, what not to. But when I think about you and I think of watching ECW and growing up in New Jersey and getting ECW for the first time, and seeing you and Mustafa come through and throwing the trash cans in and throwing, uh, you know, all the debris into the ring, just your entrance alone was worth the price of watching ECW. So when you guys were doing that, did you even think about it or was that just kind of second nature to you to have that music hit, hit the ring, throw the crap in and, and really start to uh, whoop some ass and get to work? Was that anything you guys ever really thought of or just did? One night, I asked Paulie, 
I said, we was talking about the match, and he wanted us to do a home match. <clears throat> so I told him, I came up with the idea because I was watching a movie, and it was a fight scene in the movie, and they had the music playing. So I told Paulie, I said, can you let my music play and doing the whole match? And I'm like, when the when the music ends, loop it. You know what I mean? I said, let it let it play again. And um, he was like, why? I said, trust me. I said, it's gonna turn out to be like a fight scene. And I said, just let the music keep playing. So that's where the idea came from. And he did it, and he liked it. And we were stuck with it the rest of the time. <laughs> hey, it's quite the song to have looped. I'll tell you what. I mean, at the time when you were playing that music coming to the ring, I mean, that's still that song was still Natural Born Killers is one of the hottest songs in the country at the time. So hearing that on a show like ECW, you were like, wow, this is unbelievable. I can't believe I can hear this on ECW. But what I always thought was crazy was that once you guys weren't on the offense and you guys were starting to get uh, – you know, beating up a little bit and the music still playing. I thought maybe that could be a little inspiration to you uh, to make a comeback. You got your music still playing in the background. Dude, that was, that was part of what we did. And all the fans that ever came to me, they would tell me how much they enjoyed it and they looked forward to that match and hearing that song. You know what I mean? So nobody ever came to me and complained about it. They was like, if the music didn't play, we would probably complain about it. <laughs> yeah i can see that it's such a great part of the uh of the whole ensemble but then also you know you can't discount the arena itself the ecw arena i mean we've been to the, the ecw arena in its new uh iteration a million times and the the ecw arena doesn't look like it's the same place it used to be but what did the ecw arena mean to the whole entire persona of the gangsters how much did, it, did that really play into it i mean Smoky Mountain put us on the map. Okay, we with your mom, but they put us on the map. But when we went to ECW and went on national TV, the gangsters had a big point in what was going on in ECW. Because, I mean, we brought something that they had never seen before. You know what I mean? I mean, normally you got your black, your black wrestler coming in and he's dancing and Tap dance and slapping five and jumping up and down and he's going there and all that kind of silly shit. And that was something that we wasn't going to do. You know what I mean? So we came in and it was really real. We had to appear that it was really real as to what we were doing and it went over real good. You know what I mean? And we fit right in. It was Al Stu's idea for us to go to ECW. When my arm was up, was almost up in Soggy Mountain. Al Simpson was a jack. Why don't you give Todd Gordon a call in ECW? He said, I got his room. I give it to you. He said, call him and see if they'll be interested in you. Or he said, well, y'all will fit right in. So I called Todd and I told him, you know, that I was interested in coming up if they were interested in you. And then he said, yeah, sure. You know what I mean? And the thing that I told him because we were doing all the racial shit down the Smoky Mountain. I told him, I said, I'm not going to do that. I don't want to do that no more. I said, because it, it got me in too much trouble. You know what I mean? So, and I said, I want to change my ring music. So that's how the whole big thing changed. And we gradually 
started working in with ECW and with the crowd, they started liking us. They just took to it like, you know, we belong there. You know what I mean? And when we did turn face, everybody loved it, you know, and it went over real good. Now, Smoky Mountain, that is kind of like the big time first exposure that the gangsters really had. And obviously, Cornette came up with this, well, partly came up with this controversial gimmick, and you guys were kind of getting in trouble. What was it like being down there in the South? You guys probably had nuclear heat, um, obviously, in the Smoky Mountain territory. The night that we had a tryout, are you working this company in Atlanta called North Georgia Championship Wrestling? And the the promoter of the show name was Sammy Kahn. He was cool with Cornette. We had a, he wanted, Cornette wanted us to do a, a tag match between these guys, and he wanted me to find a partner. So I picked up Mustafa. And he saw how it went over, and he liked it, and he called me that night. He said, New Jack, he said, I want to hire you on the phone. He said, I want, I want y'all to be here. He said, I need two black guys to come into this Smoky Mountain area and just work here. <laughs> but the thing is, I want to put a little twist to it. He said, I want y'all to be racist. Now, I thought it was enough for us being black, you know, and my character South Central L.A., we coming in with the hoodies on and the, and the Raider jackets and the, the tees and the high-tech boots and all that. I thought that was going to be enough. That was going to be enough to see two niggas beating on two white boys or beating on all the white people the way we were doing. But he said, I want to add another to it. He said, I want y'all to be racist. He said, so every time you get a promo, you come out, he said, I want you to make white people mad. And I told him, I said, I don't think that's fair. I said, if I'm going to be a heel, let me be a true heel. I said, so let me piss everybody off. So I was talking about the NAACP. I was talking about the KKK. I was talking about white people inbred. I was talking about black people on food stamps. I was talking about all kinds of shit. And it went over so good to the point where they were of the cops, and the cops started believing that what we were doing was real, and I actually got arrested a couple of times for saying shit in the room to They was waiting on me to come out of the corner locker room, and I got arrested a couple of times for profane abusive language by me cutting promos and read. So, the character went over well, you know what I mean? And we did what we were supposed to do. And whatever Jim Cornette was trying to find, he found it. And it went on. But I got tired of it, and I was ready to go. So we left. I got you. And I, but I got to mention, because you mentioned the Rock and Roll Express. What was it like working with them? Obviously, huge legends in the business. And they really, you know, with your feud with them, I feel like, you know, they really helped get you guys over and where you needed to be as far as getting hated. Dude, Ricky and Robert, taught me so much shit in a year that I 
always put them guys over because they was always cool to me. You know what I mean? Ricky would show me stuff and, and, and talk to me and it was shit that I didn't understand sometimes because, I mean, there was one night I had this guy, he was a fan, he kept calling me nigga. And it was pissing me off and I, when I was in the ring but he kept running up to the security rail and he said, you fucking nigga? You know what I mean? And it was really pissing me off. So after the match, I jumped out of the ring and jumped over the security rail and chased the guy out the back door. Where the, the cops were chasing us, Rick and Robin were chasing them, the referee was chasing him, and we was <laughs> all in a line running through the parking lot. And I was trying to get this guy. Well, the guy, he ran fast enough where I never caught up with him. And I came back in the building, and I was telling Ricky, he said, Jack, what happened? I said, he kept calling me a nigga, Ricky. He said, Jack, that's what you wanted to do. He said, when you piss people off to a point when they can call you a nigga, he said, you're doing your job. If I be being as green as I was, I didn't understand that. You know what I mean? And I, it, it, it took me a minute to get used to learning how to play the game. You know what I mean? But once I got it, then I took it to another level, <laughs> and I started doing stuff in the ring. Like coming to the ring with watermelon, eating chicken, picking cotton, and all that stuff. You know what I mean? So it went over well, and the fans they hated us. I mean, dude, they hated us. They was threatening me. They was threatening Mustafa. They was threatening Jim Cornette. They was just like, you know, this is just ridiculous. You know what I mean? And they hated. But we set out. What we set out to do, we did it. It is crazy to think that the fans, like, legitimately believed you guys were who your characters were, and they were really, really into it. It's got to be different with the Southern fans, right? I mean, you could really, really get under their skin, like, immensely. Yeah, and, and it's like, now, if I do a show... In Smoky Mountain area, I get fans to come up to me, and these are older people now. And they was like, you know, Jack, I remember seeing you in Smoky Mountain back in 94. <coughs> and that's what y'all were doing was crazy, you know what I mean? I pretend like they appreciate it now, but back then, they hated us. I enjoyed it. And you got to work with some pretty good hands outside of, obviously, Rick and Robert, but the Heavenly Bodies, Tony Anthony, Tracy Smothers, uh, Bullet Bob Armstrong. So some pretty good names you got to work with down there as well. I love working with Tracy. Tracy taught me a lot. Dirty White Boy taught me a lot. Bob Armstrong gave me a bunch of advice, you know what I mean? So, I mean, like I said, we came in. Every company that I have ever worked for, when I came in, as green as I was, I came in on top. And I was working the main event within the battle of a week or two. You know what I mean? And when we hit ECW, we was main event off the bat. I mean, from the jump, we was main event. So apparently what we was doing was working pretty good because it was over and everybody was enjoying shit that we was doing. Yes, definitely. And then Smoky Mountain, even 
when The Undertaker would come down, and obviously Vince would send some guys from WWF, but when The Undertaker comes down, that's a big deal. You guys got to work with him a lot, so a lot of main events for you guys. Yeah, and it was funny because Taker told me, he said, New Jack, he said, I heard a lot of stuff about you, and people said that you was going to be ridiculous to work with. But my job was to put over a dead guy. You know what I mean? <laughs> we were supposed to be afraid of a dead guy. So my whole point was, you know, I don't fault people in the streets. I don't fault murderers. I don't fault killers. I don't fault, but I ain't never had to fight a dead guy. So I was running from him the majority of the match. And every time I would get up on him, I would hit him until he was standing up. And I would turn and run. You know what I mean? So he hit the finish on me. And after it was over, when he came to the locker room, he said, do Jack, thank you. He said, I swear to God, if there's anything I can ever do for you, he said, please let me know. He said, because I did not expect that. You know what I mean? And it went over good. That is great. Anytime you're over with The Undertaker, I mean, that's that's a pretty good thing to to be over with. That That's actually great. And you, right. you mentioned, and you mentioned kind of, you know, your exit of Smoky Mountain heading to ECW. You guys were in the main event. Obviously, you guys end up winning the tag titles a couple times, but First thing I remember is you guys feuding with the public enemy. Did you guys mesh well with them? Did you guys have some good chemistry with those guys, Rocco Rock and Johnny Grunge? Yeah. We clicked off the bat. You know what I mean? We, we, when we came in, we clicked, and I enjoyed working with them, and we worked with them for a while. And we had some good matches. We, I mean, we was going for broke. We was like, Let's just go out there and tear this shit up and give these people what they want, and then we can go out and get drunk later. So that's exactly what we did. <laughs> it does seem like an interesting pairing because you know, obviously Public Enemy has their style, you guys have your style, but it meshed well so, you know, it meshed well really, really, really well actually together. And it's interesting, you know, with their kind of their gimmick and your gimmick. But those fans ate it up, and you guys remained inventing, and you guys had some crazy, wild brawls. Is there anything, yeah. you know, for you, with your food, does anything kind of stick out when you think of Public Enemy? We just had some good matches. I mean, we we paired together, and we paired together good, and we just had some good matches. You know what I mean? It's, it's like every, every, every time we would have a friend, we would try to outdo the last both characters was from the street, so you know we were trying to claim territory, and every everything that we did, we would always try to outdo what we did the, the time before that. You know what I mean? And I enjoyed working with. They were great. Is uh, kind of an underrated team, obviously. You know, R.I.P. to both of those guys. But then you know you guys step in there with the Eliminators, the Small and Gangster Party. Uh, the Dudley boys, all different tag teams, but somehow you guys always managed to have pretty good matches with basically everybody. Is that something kind of you took pride in? Did you always kind of want to make sure that you guys had the best match in the card and the, and those fans always thought your match was the best? Yeah. I was always like, I'll do something that people won't forget. You know what I mean? I'm like, me and Paul Lee had a problem. And we started putting people over on shows to a point where it was just like every week we were putting somebody over. And that was because Paul, he was just off of me. So that's what I started diving. 
And I told Mustafa, I said, don't worry about who goes over. I said, I'm going to do something in this match that they ain't going to even remember who, who won the match. So I started dive. And I would have my opponents actually ask me, Bubba asked me one night, would I not dive? What do you mean? He said, it's going to take away from the match. I said, no, it's not going to take away from the match. I said, I'm doing it. If you don't want me to do it, don't come to the goddamn ring. You know what I mean? <laughs> so they hit their fingers and they went over. But I know, and at the end of the match, the fans were chatting New Jack. You know what I mean? So I always left room to keep myself, keep my head above water. And it worked. Such a cool thing when you, especially looking at it on TV or even live seeing it, it's just insane when you do those splashes. Do you ever kind of get up there and like, man, I, this is way too high, kind of scary, or you just, you know, you have so much adrenaline, you just jump? But <laughs> I was doing drugs back in the day. It was never too high. It was. <laughs> I don't care how I went. I was high enough already. So it's like, when I wanted to die, it didn't even mean that. I didn't even care. I just did You know, and it got to a point. He started asking me what I died. I said, oh, now you need me too hard. He's like, that's a good for a show. I'm like, yeah, right there, mother. As long as you pay me, I'll do it. You know what I mean? But, that was something that people started wanting to see me do. And I did it to a point where I was damn near killing myself. You know what I mean? But it was just part of what we did, so I did. There was somewhere. It wasn't just you that looked like it was dead. It looked like your opponent was dead. And I can remember, I, I don't, it might have been November to remember 96. It might have been after that. But I remember one that you hit on Devon that, I mean, he his face was just literally red with blood, you came flying off, and he legitimately looked like he was dead. I mean, it was so devastating to, to see that. I can't imagine how he felt on you. <laughs> it didn't really, well, you know what? It, it would it knock the wind out of me, you know what I mean? But besides that, as long as they were there, and I didn't miss, which I missed, I never missed, but I almost missed one time, you know, the first time I knew on d I kind of misjudged how far he was away from where I was going to jump from. And I almost missed him. And I hit more of the ground than I did him. So then I started being careful about, you know, how far I sit the table out, whatever. And then I started doing my dives, and it went over. But, I mean, even I was always my first gunner, him and Boone. Yeah, absolutely. So many great wars. But hey, I got to ask you this just about Smoky Mountain and ECW. Which one would you consider to be the last territory? Would it be Smoky Mountain that was more regional based or would it be ECW that did eventually go national? ECW. You would say it's ECW? Yeah. Now, how much did you see that yeah. grow from when you got there? Were you surprised with how much it grew? Well, I was just going with the flow. You know what I mean? I was glad to be a part of it. You know, and I saw where we went from, you know, the, the bingo hall to we started doing arenas and coliseums and shit like this. And I was, I was just glad to be a part of it. 
uh, I contributed a lot to it, and it meant a lot to me. So yeah, I'm glad to be there. Yeah, it's uh, it's so cool to look back at both of them, and, and not only just the fact that ECW grew. If you were watching ECW like me and John were at the time, you know we saw it grow, so we felt like we were a part of it. But the two bosses there, you got Cornette, you got the the Todd Gordon, Paul Lee contingent. You know, did you find one easier to work for than the other, or how would you compare the two of them as uh, as bookers? You know what. I enjoy working I mean, you know, and I, I give credit where it's due. Without Smoky Mountains and without ECW, New Jack wouldn't have been here. You know, both of them gave me a push when I came in the front door. You know what I mean? As far as the personal shit, I mean, you know, we did have some problems, but I mean, that the problems that we had didn't outdo what they did for me. You know what I mean? So... I don't have, I'm not going to say anything bad about it. I can, but I'm not. You know, they did their job with me. They put me in a position where I had control of what I did. They put me in control over my promos and my matches and the whole thing. So I don't have, I don't have a problem with this one. Now, were you shocked when Cornette showed up in ECW around uh, 97, 98 for uh, that one shot? No. I mean, him and Paulie claim they hate each other, but I mean, Cornette showed up and did the show, so I mean, you know, it's, that's the business. And as we hit the wind down button, we start to wind it down here. With you, it's so interesting because you had such a great run in ECW. Obviously, Smoky Mountain is memorable, and obviously, you know, many wars all over the world on the independent scene and so on and so forth. Is it possible that New Jack had some favorite matches to look back on on his you know illustrious career? The matches I did with Public Enemy and working with Ball. He was one of my favorite people to work with. Him and Axel Rotten. You know anything Public Enemy, Balls in My Heart, Axel Rotten. Those were my favorites. I, I can't pick just one. I take that back. The one match I did, I, I would pick over all of them, is when I threw Big Grimes' ass almost to his death. I was satisfied with that because I got even with him. Gotcha. That's uh, some pretty good ones there. I was just thinking with you, I mean, there's so many different things. You know, we always ask, like, our oh, favorite opponent, blah, blah, blah. But with you, I almost want to play, like, uh, name association where, you know, I just name a guy and you kind of just tell me the first thing that pops into your head. So the first guy I think of, because when you had your singles run, you had this big feud with Angel. You guys were the king of the streets. What would you say, like, you know, first thing that pops into your head, uh, Spanish Angel? I enjoy working with him. I had a ball working with him. Now, thinking of a guy that you work with very infrequently, but a huge legend, what about Bam Bam Bigelow? Oh, Bam took care of me. One night, we did a match. And I had been doing drills before my match. And I blew up in the match. 
and Bam knew I was blown up. And I had to do a dive, and when I did the dive, I was laying on the floor, and we had to go and do the finish. And Bam said, you all right? I said, no. He said, well, it was time to go home. I said, well, you got to take me to the ring. And he picked me up and threw me over his shoulder and took me back to the ring and hit me with his finish. And I was like, <laughs> 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 I was like, and I told him, I said, thank you. You know what I mean? And we did a few house songs after that, which went over pretty good. But I enjoyed working with him. The franchise Shane Douglas. I never did anything with Shane. We were supposed to do something one night, but the, it didn't go as it was supposed to go. So the match got screwed up, and it was a big problem with that. But uh, I never did anything with Shane. But, I mean, we was always cool with each other. I mean, you know, we had our differences, but, I mean, we, we was always cool. So it was all good. How about the Sandman? That was my boy. Me and Sandman hung out during the shows and after the shows and before the shows. We you find us at the bar and we were getting drunk before the match and we would come stumbling in there. They'd be like, oh, shit. You know what I mean? And uh, we had a good time and I enjoyed working with Sandman. How about Tommy Dreamer? Tommy was cool. <coughs> He was business, but he was cool. I worked with Tommy a few times, and we had we had a pretty good time. So I had no problem with Tommy. How about Just Incredible? Probably an, an old buddy of yours. <laughs> <laughs> I worked. We worked together a couple of times, and we had some pretty decent matches, and it, it, it went over pretty good. And I got nothing bad to say about. It. How about your old gangsta native, former tag champ partner, John Cronus? Did you like working with him? Or was that, that kind of a little different for you? Oh, that was Cronus was my boy. That was my cat. Me and Cronus, me, me and Cronus were probably the only two, the only person that I actually hung out with outside of wrestling because we both stayed in Philly. And uh, we had a good time. We worked together, and they put us together. Somebody tried to put us together and called us the Gangstonators, but I wasn't having that. You know what I mean? But mm -hmm. we did what we did. We did what we did, and it worked, and the fans liked it, and we had a ball. So, I mean, you know, and I went, when he died, I went to his funeral. Believe it or not, didn't nobody show up from ACW. But me. Wow. Wow. Crazy. Kind of says a lot about some of those guys. It's not good. Now, what about yeah. your old partner and then eventually ended up feuding with him? What about Mustafa? What were your thoughts? Did you like working with him? The chemistry was good with him? What about feuding with him as well? Mustafa was important. Me and Mustafa been down since 1992. You know what I mean? When I first started wrestling, me and Mustafa, we was we wasn't tagging at the time, but we were working for the same company. And the stuff that me and Mustafa did once we got together, it was like we created something that 
they tried to copy it. Vince tried to copy it. Eric Bischoff tried to copy it. But they couldn't do it. You know what I mean? And uh, I ain't getting a bad tip. I'm stopping stop for support. Now, what do you think about Vince McMahon? He can suck a dick. <laughs> now, I just wanted to ask, obviously, you know, you left ECW in 2000, and, and obviously it would soon thereafter be bought by Vince and went out of business. Did you kind of know something was up and kind of left a little bit sooner than, than they actually ended? Do you actually, did you foresee that coming? Yeah, I did. And I warned, I warned a lot of people. I said, yo, this shit is about to come to a close. You know what I mean? So you might want to start looking for somewhere else to work. You know what I mean? And didn't nobody want to believe it. You know what I mean? But I was like, I knew the shit was coming. And I told Pauline in Queens, New York, that I had quit. You know what I mean? I went up there and got my money. And I was done. And that was in that was in the beginning of 2000. And uh, I was done. But I knew from the way that he was working, he was just putting shows together that didn't mean shit. I mean, it had, it had no meaning to it. He was just throwing the shows together. You know what I mean? And I was just like, what we doing don't make no sense. I'm like, this is crazy. And I'm like, if y'all got any sense, you'll find some way to work because this ship is about to sink. And it did. And it's crazy that we're looking back here still on ECW, and I know the hardcores that uh, were a part of the uh, the journey. We miss it a lot. But New Jack, before we get into the wrap for the uh, the final promo here for the convention, just got to ask you when the uh, when the career's over, when the book's closed on New Jack, what do you want wrestling fans to remember about your career? Um, I don't know, man. I mean, you know. Geez. I was real as I could be, you know what I mean? I tried to break you, and I was doing, you know, and I always say, New Jack and Devil Star, as long as they got the internet and and, and, and YouTube, so people people will always see me. I got fans to me that's like 12 years old that said that I've been, I, I'm one of their favorites because they saw me on YouTube or the WWE Network, you know what I mean? So as long as that shit's around, I always be around. And if you if you had your own YouTube channel, New Jack, you would be a a multi multi millionaire because you're one of the most searched, one of the most talked about, and one of the most looked at uh, YouTube wrestlers that you could possibly uh, find. And that's got to speak to your legacy, man. People like hearing the way it is, and the way we want to wrap it up is one more promo, if you can, about. TMPT Con 2, our convention in Richmond, Virginia on May 19th. It's only a couple weeks away, but please, what do the fans have in store when they join ESS Promotions and New Jack for one hell of a day here in Richmond coming up in a few weeks? Everybody that's listening, I just want to see New Jack and the rest of the guys going to be there. You can go on my Facebook, it's Jerome Young, and you can look at the flyers. You can see all the guys going to be there. You see what time we're going to be there. We need the time. Come on, show the support and keep it busy. Thanks for listening to the two man power trip of wrestling. What the world is downloading.